Hello everyone, welcome back to the Not So Grateful Dead podcast. This is episode number 11. I am your host, Grayson Decker, and today I have a pretty crazy case for you. Well, three cases to be exact, and it is a little different because none of these cases are actually proven to be tied to one another, but all of them happen around the same time, around the same location, and they all have very similar stories. So, I want you to tell me, was this a heinous serial killer terrifying the women and children of the 60s or multiple terrifying individuals? Let's get into it and let me know your answers. Okay, everyone, so before we get into it, I did want to give a trigger warning that this case does involve crimes against children, sexual assault, and rape. So if this is too heavy of a topic for you, I will see you next time. And no hate, I still love you, obviously. This was a very heavy topic to research, so I do not blame you for not wanting to listen. But I'll see you next time. Goodbye, if you're saying bye. But if not, We'll get into it in just a sec. Nashville, Tennessee is known as the hometown of country music and has a thriving pop and rock scene. There is a ton of live music and it is just an incredibly lively city. People travel from all over to see shows here and see some of the most famous recording studios on Music Row. On July 16, 1965, Wanda June Anderson was visiting her sister's home in Nashville, Tennessee. Wanda had been from Jolton, Tennessee, which is just a 26-minute drive from Nashville, so not very far at all. Their apartment was located on 16th Avenue South on Music Row, which we just talked about, and it is basically a section of 16th Avenue that is like the headquarters of America's country music industry. Wanda was there to babysit her sister's six children, and two of these children were just 10 weeks old. At around 10 p.m., Wanda's sister and her husband, Howard May, head off to have a drink together at Evelyn's Beer Tavern. Wanda June had her hands full at just 11 years old. She was watching six children while being a child herself. But nonetheless, her sister and her brother-in-law trusted her to watch them. Though she was young and it seems unfathomable in this day and age, it was a completely different time back then and individuals could not even fathom the idea of anyone purposefully harming a child. It was just something that they hadn't thought of and why would it be an issue for her to watch them? This would almost be seen as semi-insane now because we live in basically parallel worlds. I know when I eventually have a child, I will be almost hyper aware because I know that like just the sheer amount of people who actually have a goal of harming somebody's child or taking somebody's child or trafficking somebody's child, literally all of the things. So it's just honestly crazy that in the 60s, they just were having an 11 year old watch six children. It's just wild but I digress. At around 12.30 a.m., the couple pulled into the driveway of their apartment. Howard May immediately could tell that something was horribly wrong at their home. Both of the doors, front and back, were wide open, and they could hear one of the babies crying inside. 
The couple does a run through of all of the bedrooms and notices a good amount of blood in the bed where Wanda June was sleeping that evening, but there was no sign of Wanda. She had disappeared. Wanda June's sister begins to get the phone to call 911, but as she ran up the outside staircase, she spotted her sister in the overgrown backyard, slightly hidden due to all of the tall weeds and such. Wanda June was just about 50 yards away from their home and Howard May quickly grabbed a towel of sorts to cover Wanda's head because she had been that badly beaten. He did not want his wife to see her sister like that and he described Wanda as beaten to a pulp, which just really upsets me. At about 1 a.m., Wanda's rushed off to the hospital and she is taken to the Vanderbilt Hospital. Wanda had to undergo a very long and strenuous surgery by a team of brain specialists, and they tried tirelessly to help Wanda, but sadly, Wanda never regained consciousness and died two days later. Detectives believe that Wanda had put all of the children to bed and then laid down to go to bed herself, and the attacker must have come into the apartment through an unlocked door and went to the bed where Wanda June was sleeping. He then proceeded to strike Wanda with some sort of metal pipe that he had found in convenience. He then carried Wanda to a shed that was located on the property, but Wanda was able to fight off her attacker enough to get herself out of the shed, but he eventually did catch up to her. He continued to strike Wanda before he choked her with her pajamas and trigger warning, he did rape her. He then fled the scene of the crime, leaving no trace of who he was. Later found on Natchez Trace Parkway, a scenic recreational road, there was a bloody shirt found and some undergarments, and this evidence was immediately sent off to the FBI for testing. This murder came as an absolute shock to the community of Nashville during this time. How could somebody carry out such heinous acts towards an 11-year-old? The investigators immediately began their search for this terrible person. There was a task force sent out of maybe about 25 law enforcement officers. They looked all over Nashville, every place they could think of, every night spot, and every bar. During this time, there was also other attacks that were being reported in the same area. This attacker was coined the Tennis Shoe Man because all of his attacks, he like was wearing these distinctive tennis shoes, so he was coined Tennis Shoe Man. Investigators connected the dots between these crimes and began tying all of these crimes to the same perpetrator. They found someone who they believed to be the perpetrator of Wanda's crime, and this man was Huden Mathis. He was a 22-year-old bouncer. Huden apparently had been the perpetrator in another attack, and he was identified by the victim themselves and had allegedly robbed and molested a cab driver in July. And during this attack, he told the victim, you don't know who I am, I am the tennis shoe man. Mathis was charged with these assaults and the robbery, but they could not connect him to Wanda June's case due to a lack of evidence. Wanda June Anderson's case sadly ended up going cold due to the lack of evidence and leads in her case. Even Governor Frank Clement offered a $5,000 reward, and the Nashville Mayor Beverly Briley added another $1,000 from the Metro Council for any information that might lead to the capture of this terrible man, but nothing ever came of this, 
and her case did in fact go cold. Reba K. Green was a 14-year-old living in Nashville during the 60s. She was the daughter of Johnny and Myrtle Irene Green, and she had six siblings. Three of these were her sisters, and three of them were her brothers. The family lived in a home located on Nassau Street near the north side of Nashville. Reba had dark hair, and she attended the North High School, and she was just a seventh grader at the time of her case. She was known as a very lovely young girl, and she apparently never got into any trouble as a kid, and this was either in school or with her family. She was just a very good girl. On January 9th, 1966, this is just six months after the murder of Wanda June, Reba K. Green is sleeping in her bedroom that she shared with her twin sister. And at around 4 a.m., an unknown male walks into the bedroom of Reba and her sister, goes up to Reba while she is sleeping, and fatally stabs her one time in the chest. He then immediately just leaves the scene. Reba's twin sister didn't even wake up during this act because it was carried out so quietly, but her brother actually did hear this occur in the other room, so as soon as he opens their door to check in on them, He saw somebody walking past the window, and the weirdest part of it all, they were laughing. How fucking creepy is that? Laughing after they just stabbed a child. So upsetting. Though the brother saw the perpetrator in this crime, he could not make out the details of this man because it was probably dark, and he was probably just, like, in shock, so he couldn't describe this man to the authorities. Overall, this case and how it was carried out was just super odd, and to me, it was almost senseless. Like, what is the purpose of walking into Reba's bedroom and stabbing her one time in the chest? And it just does not make sense. What is, what is the point? What is the purpose? Just to be a terrible person, I guess? I I just don't know. But I digress. It's fine. Reba's younger sister, who was nine at the time, said that she woke up to go to the bathroom that evening, and she had actually seen someone standing over her sister while she laid there in bed. And it's like she goes on to say that it really freaked her out, so she basically just ran back to her bedroom and tried to go back to sleep. Investigators canvassed the neighborhood in hopes of finding just a small bit of evidence or a clue that might point them in the right direction, but they absolutely had no luck, and sadly, Reba's case went cold as well. Kathy Jones was a 12-year-old sixth grader at the Woodbine Elementary School. She was known as a very sweet and well-behaved young girl. She was smart and knew the dangers of people that she did not know. One may even say cautious. She had blue eyes and blonde hair, along with a lazy eye, which caused some troubles with her classmates bullying her about it. But even through all of this, she prevailed and remained a super positive young girl. On November 29th, 1969, Kathy had worked really hard doing chores around the house with her mother that day. 
She was working towards earning herself a dollar bill to take to the skating rink with her. She had just been given some hand-me-down roller skates from her cousin, and she was so excited to skate. All she needed was some money for the admission fee, and she also wanted to stop by Krispy Kreme on the way to grab herself a donut. Which, yes queen, that sounds like a great day. Donuts and roller skating? So fun. Thompson Lane Roller Dome, where Kathy had planned to go skating, was just a 20-minute walk down Nolsonville Road. And it was reported that her younger brothers were walking with her, but she walked ahead of them because she didn't want to be followed to the skating rink. Kathy would never make it to the rink because Kathy had actually been abducted. Three days after Kathy disappeared, her nude deceased body was found in an overgrown field that was located behind the Krispy Kreme donut shop on Thompson Lane. Kathy had been brutally beat and tortured and trigger warning, she was also raped and she was choked to death. Her roller skates were on the ground near her body and her hands were tied behind her back and one of her socks had been actually like shoved down her throat. It was believed that she had been in captivity for multiple days before her assailant brutally murdered her and it was also believed that Kathy had sadly died from suffocation and this was because of the sock that was in her throat which just breaks my heart. She also had some cuts on her body that were believed to be made from a dull knife or razor blade, along with some very significant bruising. So just a very sad story is told through her actual wounds on her body. Officers worked tirelessly to find the perpetrator of Kathy's murder, interviewing over 75 possible suspects. 20 of these men were actually given a lie detector test and even three of them confessed to the murder, but apparently all of that was just publicity stunts, which, in my opinion, why would you even want to admit and want people to know that you killed and raped a child? Just a little bit odd, if you ask me. I don't understand where the publicity would come from that. I don't know. There was eventually an 18-year-old male who would be considered a suspect in Kathy's case because he had written Kathy alongside multiple other girls' names on a wall in the community center, but this led to nothing. And there were also two middle-aged men who were heavily looked into due to their known interest in approaching young girls, which is absolutely sickening. Stop being fucking gross. Please. Ugh just literally grosses me out. I'm sorry. I can't. In 1977, police charged Edward Warner Adcox with the murder of Kathy Jones, and this was because he was working at the roller rink at the time of her crime, and he had previously been in jail for sexual assault of a young girl in North Carolina, and then later again in Nashville, he was convicted when he sexually assaulted an eight-year-old little boy. But before this case reached the grand jury of Nashville, the case was dropped due to problems with the witnesses. Seriously though, men like Edward Adcox are the scum of the fucking earth and I just need to say that. I hate child predators. They disgust me and anyone that has the heart to do that to a child just, mm, I can't. It really pisses me off. In 1990, police once again believed they had the man who committed this heinous crime, but they lacked enough evidence to convict him.
We do not actually know if these three horrendous cases are connected or if the same perpetrator carried them all out or if they're actually just completely different people altogether. They have similarities and not just these crimes I shared with you today, but all throughout the 60s there were cases popping up just like these. Just months before Wanda June Anderson was murdered, there was another individual who was drugged down their hallway and, trigger warning, raped in the dark. The perpetrator had just snuck through their window and carried out this crime. In the neighborhood where Wanda June had been brutally attacked, there had been multiple other rapes and murders. And in the neighborhood where Reba K. Green had been living, a month prior to her death, there was another young girl just across the street from her, and this young girl had almost been taken from a window in her bedroom. But when she screamed, the perpetrator let her go. And lastly, a few months after Kathy Jones had been brutally attacked and murdered, another 12-year-old girl went missing. She was later found alive, but she was found with her hands bound and she had been gagged. So this is very similar to Kathy's case and how Kathy was found. The young girl said that a man had come into her home, hit her over the head with something, and took her to a field in Jolton on Harbor Road. And this occurred in March of 1970. So pretty similar circumstances as Kathy's attack. We still have absolutely no idea who committed these heinous crimes and the killer or killers are possibly still walking free. And I don't even know if they're alive at this point, but with new technology, investigators may be closer to finding the answer. These are the cases of Wanda June Anderson, Reba K. Green, and Kathy Jones of Nashville, Tennessee. I want you to let me know if you think it was a heinous serial killer because at this time, things were not very advanced in the crime scene world. Serial killers wasn't really a coined name quite yet, so I don't even really think they knew what they were dealing with at this point. To me, they all sound very similar. Reba's case is a little different in the way that she was not sexually assaulted or, you know, like really beaten. Really just was a very simple case compared to the other two, but same age range, same location, kind of same MO with the sneaking in and sneaking out and stuff like that leaving no trace, basically, of who you are as a person. So, yeah, sorry it was such a sad time, honestly. It was very upsetting to research these cases and very upsetting to tell you them. I am very against anything when it comes to children, and I hate crimes, including children, but they do happen, and this to me was just very interesting because they're all very separate cases, but it seems as though there definitely was something going on in Nashville in the 60s that maybe should have been taken a little bit more serious. I already know it's going to be a pretty short case after editing this, so I just want to let you know I am very sorry that it is so short, but both of these three, all three of these, not both, all three of these cases are from the 60s, so I had to look at, like, newspaper articles and stuff. I couldn't really find a whole lot of information on these cases, obviously, because 
or from so long ago, but I hope that I shed some light and I don't know, hopefully maybe, I don't, maybe somebody might remember something. I don't know. All three of these cases are still cold. There's been no new developments and yeah, that's pretty much it for their cases. Alright you guys, because that case was so short, again, I am so sorry. There's just genuinely not enough information when it comes from the 60s, but I wanted to do something a little different and fun. I'm going to give you a writing prompt and you can reach out to any of my social medias, preferably my email to write in these responses. And it's just going to be a fun little writing prompt. You can write like a short story or a sentence or whatever in general. Just just say something to me. Say something fun. I'll add it to the end of Sunday's episode in the outro and the whole world will get to hear what you have to say. How exciting is that? So your little prompt is you research your genealogy and you find that several people from different branches all died in the same mysterious location of unknown causes. And that's it. Just write me something fun and exciting and I'll share it. And that's about it. Yeah. Like I said, email is preferred when it comes to these kinds of things, but you can definitely follow me on all of my other social medias and I will tell you them right about now. My email is the not so grateful dead pod at gmail.com. My website is the not so grateful dead dot podbean.com. And my Instagram is the not so grateful dead underscore podcast. TikTok is the not so grateful dead pod. And Facebook is the not so grateful dead podcast with Grayson Decker. So, yeah, follow me. You'll be getting some exciting new updates coming in the month of October. I think I've told you this in like the last, I don't even know how many episodes, but I have something so excited planned and you definitely have an opportunity for something very exciting. So please follow, please reach out, let me know what I can improve on, let me know how I'm doing, let me know what you want to hear, give me some cases, all sorts of stuff. Just reach out to me, rate review, comment, do whatever you want. Get me some traction. (laughs) I love you guys so much. Thank you for being here and I cannot wait to see you on Sunday. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye-bye.